uh, in the third week of this New Testament uh, series. And again, uh, just let me ground you in why we're here, why we're doing this. And it comes, it, it starts years ago when we did this survey. And, the, and in the survey, people very strongly told us, we want you to um, teach us more directly about the Bible. Teach us more what's in the Bible. Teach us more uh, how the Bible should affect us. Um, and so uh, uh, we, have, we have tried to take that to heart. And uh, we did the Old Testament series earlier, and now we're doing a New Testament series. And, and of course, these series, these series don't help you uh, get all that deep into this, right? These are intended to be flyovers. They're intended to um, especially help along people who um, are new and don't quite understand how it fits together. Um, but uh, so, so we're flying through right now. And, and today I, ha- I get to cover the entire book of Acts. So um, it's going to be awesome. And after, after I'm finished with this 20 minutes of the entire book of Acts, you'll wonder how people spend so much time in seminary trying to figure this out. Because it's, no, no, really, um, I'll, I'll be flying through. Um, another bit of feedback that we've gotten that we're trying to take to heart is that uh, you want challenges. You want things to do, right? You want to be able to uh, take this outside of here and, and do something with it. Um, the life verse that we just got finished with, uh, we had such we had really positive feedback about that. Many, many of you uh, took that very seriously and really thought about what uh, what your life verse has been how the how the scriptures have affected you in your life how you continue to return uh, back to the uh, certain scriptures over and over again the uh, the uh, daily engagement with scripture that's on the internet or, or maybe there's other ways to get it too i don't know but i get it through the internet um, many 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 people have signed up for that and and we believe that many people are following us in a daily way um, through scriptures so i'm going to combine those two and i'm going to give you uh, a list of things to do so today i'm going to give you uh, i think it's seven seven things that you can choose from uh, any one of these things that you could take out of this room uh, and, and try to start working on really hard. I want you to choose something that, um, that, that seems to be in tune with what, your, uh, what, what you're thinking and where your spiritual growth is, that matches up with your gifts and talents, uh, that goes with your current level of spiritual connectedness, um, and it seems like what people are in need of around you. Uh, so here we go. My first one challenge for you to do. You might try to heal people with your shadow. So this is all coming from the book of Acts. These are things that the apostles did in the book of Acts. And by the way, I was, I was eating breakfast this morning and I thought to myself, if people don't get irony, if like, they don't understand that, you're going to have a hard time with this teaching, at least the first uh, 10 minutes of this teaching. Uh, heal people with your shadow. It's a, it's a great challenge. And it's a, it's a thing that happened in the book of Acts. Uh, in the book of Acts records that the, the apostles had become so empowered. Uh, uh, Ed asked the question at the end of his uh, video, uh, did it work? Did it work? When the Spirit came, did it work? Did they have power? <laughs> they had unbelievable amounts of power. So they were so powerful and they had become so known in the area that it's that the book of Acts, um, and in your bulletin, I, I show you where the scriptures come from, Acts uh, 5. Uh, uh, talks about how how people would hear that Peter was in the neighborhood and they would take people out into the streets so that his shadow could cross over that person and that person would be healed. Amazing amounts of power. If you're not quite up to healing someone with your shadow, um, I didn't put this as a separate one, but you could work start working on healing people with your handkerchief because that's how Paul did it. It says later in the book of Acts that any any piece of cloth that would touch Paul, they could take to a person and that person would be healed. So if you're not up to the shadow, try the handkerchief. Um, next one. 
teach such a good lesson. This is what I'm hoping to do right now, actually. Teach such a good lesson that you disappear completely and reappear someone else. Teleportation um, is, is, is the reward for a good lesson taught. But really, in Acts uh, 8.34, there's this guy named Philip, and he's uh, hanging out in his kitchen. And I imagine, this isn't in the scriptures, I imagine he's making some scrambled eggs. And an angel appears to him and says, Philip, head south and go to this one road. And it, and it kind of amazes me. There's no other conversation, which is great. Philip just like, okay, I <laughs> head south. It's awesome. He heads south and he goes and, he, and he's walking on this road and then he meets up with a guy and this guy is traveling uh, back to Egypt. And it says this guy is reading uh, Isaiah. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading there? And the guy's like, how could I? And so they sit together and talk. And, and then Philip t- tells him about how the, how the scriptures that he was just reading are about Jesus and about how Jesus has come and he has changed the world. And then, then the eunuch says, well, I should be baptized. And they're like, yeah, you should be baptized. And so they baptize him. And when he comes out of the water, Philip's gone. And then the scripture says, and then he reappeared somewhere else in another town. Whoa, what would that be like? I, I challenge you to try that. Uh, teach such a, I'm still here, so I'm not teaching such a good lesson yet. <laughs> the next one you can try, if, uh, if this suits you, uh, heal a paralytic. Heal a paralytic. So, so, so people that have been paralyzed... For, for many numbers of years, I mean, the first one, it says they were healing the sick. Well, that might be somewhat easy, right? Because uh, you, you, can, you can have some sort of psychosomatic uh, uh, way that you're healing a person, right? You, I mean, we're all skeptics about that kind of thing. So we go a little farther and heal a paralytic. Heal someone who hasn't been able to walk for eight years or something like that. That seems like it's a little tougher. All right, if that's not tough enough, if you're, if you're better than that, go one step farther. Raise the dead. Here's something you could try. Raising the dead. It happened a couple of times in the book of Acts. Uh, Peter did it and Paul did it. Raise the dead. The Bible says that, uh, that since uh, Peter was in the neighborhood, again, the, the rumor just got out, Peter's in the neighborhood. Um, and, and so the disciples said, wait a second, there's this woman in this other town that's really close to the town you're at. And the Bible says she had done such great works amongst the people. She was, she was really a great person and everyone uh, thought that she should still be around doing those great works. So they said, hey, go get Peter and bring him, bring him here. And Peter comes and he raises her back to life. There's nothing psychosomatic about that uh, miracle, right? You can't just pretend that the person w- w- uh, w- wasn't actually dead and then, and then heard and then became alive. No, no, this person was dead. Raise the dead. Okay, so those all are kind of about people. Maybe you're not so much of a people person. You're more of a loner. So here's one you can work on. Uh, pray and sing your way out of jail. That's something you could work on maybe this week. Although, as I was thinking about this one, I was thinking, I, I hope people don't go to jail for something bad in order to try this one out. But anyway, you can pray or sing your way out of jail. And this happens a couple of times also in the book of Acts. Um, people are put in prison because of their belief in Christianity, because of how they were disrupting the area. They were so powerful that they were disrupting the systems, the political systems and religious systems of the time. And so they would be put in jail. And, and once they got to jail, they were such great jail people. What is that? Per, what, a person in jail. Such great people. Uh, and they were singing and they were praising God. And sometimes they would convert the people who were there. And, and, uh, and sometimes they would be singing and then an earthquake would happen. And their shackles would fall off of their bodies and they would stand up and walk out. Or one time, actually, Paul, he, he, the doors fly open and then Paul just sits there. Because he doesn't want the guard to get in trouble. That's pretty amazing. 
All right, so that was a non-people person, but there's some guys here that are maybe outdoorsmen. You'd like more outdoorsy things? Here's one for you to try. Get bitten by a poisonous snake and live. This is a good story. So Paul has uh, got this whole bundle of sticks and he's going to build a fire because they had been shipwrecked, which happens to Paul all the time for some reason. And uh, so he gets this big bundle of sticks and uh, he lights it on fire. And when the fire happens, a snake comes out of it and bites him. And it says, actually, it says it hangs onto his hand and then he just shakes it off back into the fire. That's a tough guy right there. And then the, the, the people around say, oh, look. Because a snake bit him, that means he's a bad person and he's getting his just rewards for, for being a bad person. So this was a sign that we should not listen to him. But then when he just lets it hang there and then he shakes it off into the fire and then he's fine, they change their minds completely. They say, wow, he's not a bad person. He's a person who's blessed by God. All right, so enough with my ironic uh, uh, list. Um, I, I had fun with it. I hope you do too. But here's the thing. Here's why I'm saying that. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be honest with you a little bit and say when I read the book of Acts, one thing that happens to me is I get sort of like, wow, well, how did that happen? How did that happen? How is that so powerful for them? And, and are, we, what, are we doing something wrong? Are we missing something? Are, are we uh, not as close as we should be to the power of the Holy Spirit? What's going on? The Acts actually a little bit depresses me. I mean, it's like, wow. Those guys were unbelievable. They were, they were amazing. Those things that they did. And I didn't read you anywhere close to the entire list of things that was going on in the book, in the book of Acts. These guys were powerful. They were amazing. So, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch on that for a second here. What's going on? Why don't we see those kinds of things? First bullet. A lot of people would say that we do. There's all kinds of stories that come in from all around the world, mostly from places where the church is really under intense pressure. And God shows up. And I think, I think it, it's benefit for us to uh, believe those stories. I would raise my hand and say, I'm among the people who are skeptical when you hear of a story from halfway around the world where God showed up in a really actually miraculous way. I get skeptical. And I tried to, I tried to say to myself, stop that. Stop that. First, on the one hand, Kurt, you're saying, why don't miracles happen? And then on the other hand, you're saying, when miracles happen, you're like, well, yeah, whatever. Right? Stop that. Uh, I think when the church gets under intense pressure, God shows up. Um, so, so I think we, sh- we need to open our ears a little more, right? We were hearing all these uh, amazing stories from, from the book of Acts. But in the book of Acts, people were fairly concentrated. Those disciples were fairly concentrated and they were writing about it. Now we have the ability to hear more worldwide. And we start saying, well, why didn't it happen in Cedar Falls? Well, it didn't happen in Cedar Falls during Acts either, right? It happened where those guys were. Uh, we need to be more uh, attuned, more more uh, open for hearing those kinds of stories. And I know you all have heard those kinds of stories. A person is in severe trouble, and then uh, uh, and then their enemy, who is about to kill them, runs in fear, and no one was around. And then later, the person hears, "You know, I, I ran in fear because I saw all these huge guys standing behind you." Well, there was no guys standing behind me. Oh, God showed up. Okay. 
with that having having been said, I'm going to give you some a few more sort of technical explanations. This is something the church has been struggling with for a long time. So there's some technical explanations that have emerged. Uh, if you don't want to hear them, wait. I'll be done with this in a couple of minutes. Some people say those miracles existed then in a more power or in a more concentrated way because it was the birth of the church. As, as uh, Ed just told you, this is a huge turning point in history. Jesus ascends, the Spirit comes, the church is very small and needs to be born. It needs to uh, be able to exist. It needs to get to some critical mass at which now it can, it can do a better job of sustaining itself. Uh, obviously, that means the Spirit is sustaining. But it needs, to, uh, it needs to get to this critical mass. So there's some idea that the miracles had to happen in order to convince people. If you read through Acts, a lot of the time when a miracle happens, it says, in order to demonstrate the power of God, in order to convert people, in order to show what God was doing, right? So the church needs this extra bit of power, and we're at such a pivotal point in history where the Spirit has just come, and it's time to do something big, miraculous, and showy. Now, the church is there, okay? Explanation number two feeds right into that same thing. This is a a fairly um, accepted doctrine within the Catholic faith that the reason the miracles have slowed down or stopped uh, is that they needed to have a revelation, a, a direct revelation of God, and that was the Holy Spirit doing miracles. Now we have the revelation of the Scriptures, which are finished and complete. That is our revelation. We should be able to go to the Scriptures and get the same thing that the miracles were providing, a demonstration that God is God. God is who He says He is. God is powerful. That those scriptures were not finished at that time. They were writing them as as the stories. Right, they're being they're living the stories, right. So the spirit was revealing to people who God was through these physical, tangible acts that you could see. And once those are all written down, now they're written down and revealed. The revelation has changed form from from seeing it, uh, someone being healed, to this book that tells about those things. That's another position. Another position is that, uh, again, it has to do with this pivotal part of history. We're just changing from this religion is about Judaism. This religion is about a, a specific group of people to this religion is about all the people. And that change from a specific group of people to all the people had to have some really heavyweight uh, documentation, if you will, proof, if you will. We, God has shown up to these people so many times that something has to happen to convince us that God is actually showing up to these many people now, right? So many of the miracles, many of the miracles have to do with, it's not about just these people anymore, it's about all the people. There's an amazing, fascinating uh, a thing that uh, I hadn't known before, that the miracles of Peter in the first part of Acts and the miracles of Paul in the latter part of Acts exactly match. Why would that happen? Why would that be? Because the miracles of Peter are happening to Jews and the miracles of Paul are happening to Gentiles. And it's a a, a very tangible way of saying, look, people, it's the same. These are the same. I now I now am the God of all people. That is amazing. That is amazing. And so we, you know, we're kind of stupid creatures. Sometimes you have to hit us on the head a few times. And so, so this idea says God was hitting us on the head saying, it's not just about the Jews. It's about all y'all. Okay. Um, I'm lost in my notes right now. I got excited about that last point. 
All right. So I want to tell you, I want to say two other things. So that was my done. I'm finished with the technical explanation part. So I want to say two things that are more practical. One is, what should we learn about God in these things? So, Kurt, I'm telling you, I read through Acts and sometimes I just get so focused on why is it not? Okay, Kurt, turn this upside down. What can you learn about God? What is God trying to demonstrate? What is God trying to say about himself by, by showing you these miracles? One is, he's involved. Right? See, part of us, part of us constantly has this struggle with, is God, is God gone? It's, it's even buried into this, this sort of doubt about, why did the miracles stop? Well, is that really saying God stopped, right? God's... Mm. He's involved. That's what he's trying to say with his miracles. I'm involved. I didn't start it all going and then I'm just, and then I'm just standing back watching. He's involved. He's active. He's here. He can, if he wishes, change things about our view of uh, uh, what's going on. Two, he loves the whole world. He loves the world. He was demonstrating that I, I, I feel brokenhearted when I see these things happening on the world that aren't as they're supposed to be. And I want to fix them. And I want to change them. He's showing us who he is deeper down. A a, a God who really, really loves and cares. You know, the seminal moment in the book of Exodus is when it says, And God heard. Right? God's involved and God heard. And God said, I'm going to fix it. That's how Exodus turns around. And the New Testament is, is in the same spot. And God heard And God did something about it. And God demonstrated that he loved all people. Another one is that he wants to restore. There's a lot of writing, a lot of talk about how the miracles are not just miracles like uh, he fixes a cold. They're things that demonstrate symbolically as well as uh, uh, physically a restoration of somebody. A restoration of something. God is a God who wants to and is about the business of restoring us. Returning us. To me, and you've heard it a million times from me, the big story of the Bible is restoration, return. We can come back to what we were supposed to be, how we were supposed to be made. God wants to restore. That's something we can learn about him. Another one is he is powerful. It's almost, I don't even have to say much more about that. The things that were happening there were powerful. They were, they, God has power. God is not powerless. God is not trapped by things that are happening in our, in our world. He's not in a corner wondering what he should do next. He is powerful. And finally, he is transcendent. He's outside of the system. Somebody from inside the system can't tweak it and make it do things that it's not supposed to do. You can't change the laws of physics from inside the system. The only way you can change things like that, the only way you can turn disease into health, uh, uh, lameness into non-lameness, death into life, is being outside the system where you can reach in and do things. God is outside the system. God is outside of our physical uh, and temporal nature. He is transcendent is the, the technical word for that. But for me, it just, it helps me to know he's outside of it. He's bigger than it. All right, I have one more to-do back to my list. Because this to-do is a to-do that um, I actually am super fascinated by and super encouraged by in the book of Acts. And that to-do is uh, live good lives in the pagan world. So this comes from a couple of places. One is in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts... Um, 
uh, there's this great story where they're in Ephesus. Um, and in Ephesus, there's this temple to the goddess Artemis. And this goddess uh, is, uh, is a huge deal in, at the time. Uh, still, actually, uh, the temple is there. It's one of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world, I think. Uh, this temple is amazing, big. The whole city is really sort of oriented around the worship of this goddess, Artemis. She's the goddess of the hunt. Uh, she's a goddess of uh, virginity. She's, uh, she's, a, she's a young goddess who never got married and, and helps people with hunting and helps people with fertility. The whole city is kind of oriented around worshiping her. And there's some... We don't know exactly, but there's lots of stories about how there was prostitution happening in that temple. How there's a lot of, um, since she's the goddess of fertility and a goddess of young women, there's lots of uh, young women associated with that temple. And, and of course, men coming to worship. And uh, it, it was just not the good scene. So, so the, the apostles are there and they're establishing the new church, the Christian church. And they're doing a fantastic job of it. They're getting converts like crazy in, in the city of Ephesus. And you know, you're gonna, we're gonna look at the book of Ephesians, right? That's the city of Ephesus. Uh, um, they're, they're, they're doing a great job in the city of Ephesus. And so the vendors who make little gold goddesses, uh, and sell them to people are starting to get upset because their income is going down. They actually see a financial impact from what the, the disciples, what the apostles are doing in that city of Ephesus. And so they get kind of riled up when someone steals, not steals, when someone uh, reduces the economy, when someone takes your money away from you, you get kind of riled up. And so they get riled up and they say, we got to get these uh, guys out of here who are talking about this guy, uh, Jesus, because they're ruining our business. So they round them up and they take them out uh, to this, uh, to this uh, uh, arena kind of place. And they're getting all crazy. And then one guy says, and this is super key. One guy says, wait a second, you guys. We're a reasonable people. We're known all around as being a reasonable people who are all about the, the book of the law and all about doing things right. These guys that you're accusing, uh, they never stole from our temple and they never blasphemed our goddess. And to me, that's amazing. These guys are living in a world that's all against them, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and they're living in a world that is doing things that really should not be done. And they're having great success adding to the ranks of Christianity. And then people are able to say about them, they never stole from our temples or blasphemed our goddess. That's really interesting. How did they do it? They did it by positively, positively, uh, uh, showing the life of Jesus, positively showing what Jesus was all about and, and, and how they could, they could change the world uh, from a positive way. I think, I think we have a pressure in our society to say, look, society is getting increasingly against us. We need to push back through fighting. We need to push back through blaspheming. We need to, blaspheming the wrong truth, the, blaspheming the thing that's bad, uh, speaking badly about the thing that is bad. It turns out that, that Paul in Ephesus did it the other way around. Instead of saying, look, what you're doing is horrendous, he said, look, what Jesus said about how you should treat women is, is this way. What Jesus said about how you guys should interact with each other is like this. And he was, he was exceedingly successful, to the, successful enough that he changed the economy in that town. Um, another place, Peter says, uh, in his book, First Peter, he says, Dear friends, 
I urge you to live as aliens and strangers in the world. Again, these guys are experts at living in a world that isn't oriented around them, that's oriented around other gods, uh, not our God. Um, so, so they have a, they have a, a perspective that's different than ours because we've enjoyed a time where we felt like we were the majority, right? Dear friends, I live, I urge you to live as strangers and aliens in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your souls. And then he says this, and live such good lives among the pagans that though, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He says, this is how you live amongst pagans. You live in a way that, that you live such good lives that even if they accuse you of something they act they see what you've done and the accusation falls apart so here's my final little list what should we do what how should we live first we should live good lives among the pagans we should live good lives so that even though they might accuse us of this or accuse us of that they actually see the results of what we're doing and their arguments fall flat We should live in a faith that God is living and active. I need to constantly be uh, 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 telling myself, God is living and active. God is living and active. We should seek out the activity of the Spirit. The Spirit is active. The Spirit is here. It's the same Spirit that was in Acts. Seek it out. See what it's doing. See what He is doing. See what the Spirit is doing. And, 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 and go with that. And the last thing I would say is, a lot of the miracles happened around the disciplines of prayer and fasting and, and uh, singing spiritual songs and learning and teaching. It's no coincidence. A lot of the miracles, a lot of the power of God happens around things like praying and fasting and, and learning and singing spiritual songs. So I encourage you to do those things if you want to see and experience the power of God. And in fact, you have an opportunity right now. We're going to go in to singing um, and you can be praying and you can be saying to yourself, uh, this is what I really want, Lord. I, I abandon myself to you. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thanks. Thanks for um, this, the work of the Spirit that reminded Luke of all the amazing things that he had seen and, and allowed him to write this uh, testimony to us. Thanks for what the testimony contains, the the, uh, amazing miracles of God. I pray that we move forward with a kind of expectation of God is a living and active God. God is a powerful God. God is a God who loves me, who wants redemption for my, my soul, who wants redemption for the whole world. And finally, I pray that we live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse us of doing wrong, They see our good deeds and worship God. Amen.